This podcast contains topics and language that people may find offensive or triggering and may not be appropriate for younger listeners. We are not medical professionals and any advice should be taken on face value. Please consult your doctor if you have any issues and please let it be known that all sexual activities should be context appropriate, consent appropriate, age appropriate and species appropriate. Anything else is fair game. Welcome to the podcast. Yep. Uh, I'm Dan. I'm Rosie. We've never even met. No. We've had one conversation on the phone. Yep. And the reason why you're here is because a friend of mine mentioned your name. Yep. Now, do you mind saying why she might have mentioned your name? No, that's fine. <laughs> uh, she mentioned me because obviously she knows I've started working at Anne Summers. Right. So that's what I do for a job. But I yeah. think primarily because she'd worked with me for about a year, she knew I'd started OnlyFans. She knew that like I was quite a sexual person anyway. Yeah. So I think she just thought that I was the right fit and that I find things like this like intriguing to talk about. They're not taboo for me. Yeah. I've got a sense of humour about it all. That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I guess I, I guess it's the same for me. I guess my my reason for starting it is because well. I love sex, <laughs> as does yeah. as does probably ninety nine point nine percent of our possible future listeners. Yeah, I guess I get quite a lot. Yeah, it kind of started off with um, I was sat in a pub with a group of friends, and someone was writing a a research paper on kind of I can't remember what the actual subject was, but it was about what would you like to be doing when you die. Okay. You know, if you had one hour left to live, what would you be doing? And this and this girl kind of went around the table and asked everyone, um, you know, and there was all these kind of, oh, I'd like to be at a beach in Hawaii, and oh, I'd like to be snowboarding down a cliff. Uh, and it got to me, and immediately everyone around the table just started laughing because they already knew the answer. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, and so she said, well, just can you say in unison, what do you think Dan wants to be doing? And it was just like having sex. Yeah. Um, f- fast forward a few days, I was at a chiro- I was having a chiropractor appointment because I do a lot of climbing and I've had a climbing injury in January. Um, and we were talking about exercise. You know, I I go climbing two or three times a week. Uh, I go to the gym two, three, maybe four times a week. Um, paddle boarding. Like walking the dog. Can't relate. Like, <laughs> well, no, this is fun. Um, and then, and they were like, "Right, is there any other exercise you do?" And I was like, "Well, where where would you put sex in this?" And they were just like, "Oh, well, what do you mean?" Like, well, it's good for your cardiovascular system. Yeah, you're burning calories. You know, it's good for your hormone system. You're burning yeah. calories. And they were like, "Well, yeah, but but how often do you do that?" And I, and I sort of just totaled it up for that particular week. And it was like something like nine hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were completely taken aback. Bearing in mind these are students, so, they are, so they're learning chiropractors. So right. There's a place near to me that, does, uh, that teaches chiropractic courses. So these guys that are like 19, 20, 21, just seemed completely taken aback with the fact that a 43-year-old man is probably having loads more sex than they are. <laughs> um, and then got me thinking, well, 
why is that? Why am I having more sex than these people? You know, is it, are they watching too much pornography? Are they, um, are they not fit and healthy? Are they playing Dungeons and Dragons? Are they, <laughs> you know, what, what are these people actually doing when they could be going out and having sex? Mm -hmm. You know, my, my, and I actually said to him, I was like, well, next time you scroll through Facebook, just imagine there's a 43-year-old man sleeping with someone that you should be. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I'll never look at Facebook ever again. <laughs> so so that then it, I guess it came about that um, that actually I realised that most of my conversations were about sex. Um, and actually most of my, a lot of my good friends are all female. Yeah. And all of my female friends are also coming to me for advice about sex. Mm -hmm. A couple of friends of mine were quite drunk the other day and just talking and giggling amongst each other. And they're like, well, uh, well we should ask Dan, really. <laughs> and it's like, well, should we start sex with a blowjob? Mm. And I was like, no. Why, why would you? And they said, well, I thought that's what we were supposed to be doing and that's what a man would like. Mm -hmm. I said, well, no, not really. So... And they're like, oh, well, how should we start it? And that kind of just got into a conversation of, <clears throat> actually, how do you make someone feel comfortable? Um, you know, what are, the, what are the triggers for certain people? Yeah. You know, is it different when you're um, out of a relationship, in a relationship? Yeah. Um, how healthy is everyone? What's their mental health like? Um, and, and it just kind of made me think that there's a whole bunch of stuff that people aren't doing i.e. sleeping properly they're not getting the correct, my correct nutrition my guy's going to start bringing out a medical form before he sleeps with everyone now <laughs> like you just sign here here well actually that actually that, that's that's interesting isn't it because um, I guess we're kind of conditioned to try and find healthy people yeah um and that's a very natural thing to want to want in a partner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I just kind of wanted to yeah get a podcast together where we could actually just talk freely about any subject, but kind of with the end goal of we all want to get laid, right? Yeah, <laughs> and have better sex and have more of it, and you know, and then not get infections and diseases and yeah, little that kind of stuff. Um, interestingly, and actually, if anyone wanted to go and look this up. The Huberman Lab podcast have just done up a a um, a podcast on sexual health. Okay. Um, so he's a neurobiologist uh, at the University of Stansted. I think he's a professor, um, and he does a lot of really good content on uh, on the endocrine system, health, you know, sleep cycles, like how to basically optimize yourself as a human being. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of stuff in there, which is the neurobiology. It talks about you know pelvic floors. Um, what's a what's a weak pelvic floor? What's a tight pelvic floor? Mm -hmm. What that means for orgasm uh, in both male and females. And actually, one of the really interesting things I found out was that actually most erectile dysfunction is more to do with blood flow mm -hmm. than it is to do with hormones. Mm -hmm. Because I always just assumed it would be, you know, if you've got low testosterone, then you don't, then you can't, then nothing works. Yeah. Whereas actually it's more to do with the fact that blood can't flow into the right places. Mm -hmm. um, so we can actually talk about 
cardiovascular health. Mm-hmm. You know what's good for that? What? Sex. Yeah. <laughs> More sex. <laughs> Basically, it's going to cure all of our problems and everyone else to know all of the listeners' problems just by having more sex. Um, to just fuck all the time. Podcast done. Finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's finish. It. Yeah, done. that's it. End of episode yeah. one. Finish, <laughs> yeah. Don't need to say anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, are there any sort of particular subjects that interest you or? Um, the idea of like contraception yeah. and sex really interests me. I've been on multiple forms of contraception. Yeah. Um, I was on different types of the pill that affected my sex drive. I was on the depot injection that affected my sex drive. Yeah. Everything affected my sex drive in like a different way. But not necessarily in a bad way or? No, not necessarily in a bad way. Sometimes okay. I'd have a really high sex drive. Sometimes it was really low, depending on what I was on. I'm now on nothing, and I refuse right. to be, right. um, just because it doesn't work for me anymore. Yeah. And my sex drive has never been higher right, okay. than yeah, it has been before. Um, I obviously told you on the phone when we first spoke that I've got a chronic illness. Yes. Which affects my uterus. Okay. So that, for me, is a really interesting topic. Yeah. Do you mind me asking what that is? So I have something called endometriosis. Ah, I hadn't have an ex that used to have that. Yeah. So for anyone that doesn't know, it's just basically when the lining of your uterus, the tissue that grows inside your uterus, essentially grows outside yeah. and spreads to places where it shouldn't, causing a multitude of chronic health problems. So it took me about eight years to get diagnosed, and I finally got my diagnosis about a month ago now. That's really interesting because... The girl I was going out with that had endometriosis was actually, um, she hadn't been diagnosed at the time. Mm -hmm. So she kept going back into hospital for biopsies. This is actually not in this country. Mm -hmm. So um, so I started doing some research into what it was. And of course, we were still having sex. Sometimes the sex was painful for her. Yeah. Um, And obviously, I want to have more sex. So I'm kind of thinking, well, how do I... How do I figure this out? And then, of course, you've got um, like the sort of discharge that's associated with it that you mm-hmm. that happens during sex. It's called chocolate cysts. Mm-hmm. So um, what happens when you penetrate is actually you end up with some sort of looks like sort of brown discharge. Um, not really that gross. Didn't bother me uh, or her. But by typing that into Google... And along with the other symptoms and um, it, the first thing that came up was endometriosis. Yeah. So um, so we were in a fairly, well, for a couple of years, but um, the, the doctor who was actually in charge of her care, I don't know why he didn't know what it was because I said, could it be endometriosis? And he went, well, and he, well, he went, oh, yeah, maybe. Which just seemed totally baffling yeah. that that a doctor wouldn't that I could have done some research mm-hmm. and then gone could it be this yeah. and it was endometriosis obviously yeah um, uh, and I can't remember what happened with treatment because I think we broke up fairly soon after that yeah nothing to do with the endometriosis mm-hmm. years and years later she now has two children yeah she might even have more I don't yeah I, she's one of my exes that I actually don't keep in contact with <laughs> well and, and that's that's not through any reason that's not through any reason that other than that she's 
in a different country. Yeah. So, um, uh, and we've just kind of, yeah, we've just kind of lost, lost contact. Yeah. I would still like to see what she's up to and I'm glad that she's got a family life and yeah. all that kind of stuff. I think that was like my main thing. It's like I never, I noticed it because I was having irregular periods all the time. Like mm. I was on for a day, off for a day, on for a week, off two days. My longest period lasted four years. So I was continuously wow. on for four years. Right. Um, I'd gone back and forth to different doctors. No one was listening. Eventually, I saw a consultant. And it's funny that you say about doctors being like, oh, yeah, maybe. Because I sat down with this consultant and was like, I have a little notepad that I'd had for like a few years and was like, this, 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 this. And he was like, what do you think it is? And I was like, shouldn't you be telling me this? Yeah. But I said to him, I was like, oh, I think I have endometriosis. And I'll never forget him like putting his little pen down, sliding his paperwork and just leaning on the desk and being like, yeah, me too. And yeah. I was like, oh, finally. Diagnosis process was like a surgery. Yeah. So I had to go in. I've got my little scars on my belly now. Right. But I remember like meeting Lucas for the first time because we met on a night out in Barso. Mm -hmm. Super romantic. Yeah. And... I remember like going home with him. He was my first ever one night stand. That didn't okay. work out so well for him, did no, it? No, no. Like a year and eight months later, he still <laughs> hasn't got rid of me. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but we were walking to like go back to his house, and I remember having to say to him like, "Oh, just so you know, mm. like I have this because that's yeah. a factor that I had to consider to just have a one night stand. Yeah. Because yeah. if I got to it and then." It was too painful and I couldn't go through with it or whatever. Or yeah, then you have to say no. start crying like halfway through. Like <laughs> yeah, and then and then you have to say no, and then they have to be accepting of that no. Yeah, but I was really gobsmacked because I turned around and I was like, "Oh, I've got a uterus condition." Blah blah blah. He was like, "Oh, what is it?" And I was like, "Oh, it's just endometriosis." He was like, "Oh, I know what that is." And it was like the first time so that I ever it? encountered. A so why is it people like yeah. us and people who you find in to hook up with in Barso know what endometriosis is, but it, then the doctors are really finding struggle well, struggle done, to find out what it is. Been researching it since like the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, but they still don't have a clue as to like what causes it. There's no real treatment. It's something that yeah, yeah. I and everyone else will live with for the rest of our lives. It affects your fertility. Yep. It affects everything. So well, and this this was it actually. The um, I guess to a certain extent, one of the reasons um, why we might have broken up would have been because I wanted children at one point. Yeah. Um, and and she was like, she had resigned herself to a life of having no children, yeah. and was fine with it. Mm -hmm. And I probably wasn't quite at the time. Yeah. Bearing in mind, this is a long time ago, mm -hmm. so. Um, you know, my my I have a child now who's in their teens, um, and you know, fine with having one. Don't want any more. Talk about contraception, contraception because, <laughs> well, well, because actually it's something that's quite important to me, because a lot of people I'm meeting now are a bit younger, mm -hmm. um, you know, so they could be in their, well, anywhere from twenty five to. For, well, to, I've, I'm in a weird age range now where I could sleep. I've got about 40 years worth of people either side to people to sleep with. <laughs> um, but actually, people who are who are younger look to someone like myself, who's a stable person with a job and a car and a house and a dog and a, you know, yeah. and go, oh, I could I could get a family with that, and I'm kind of going, well, 
no. <laughs> and that's, um, you know, and and sometimes you might have a relationship and go, and then that sort of, they say no initially in order to kind of get into the relationship. And they're like, well, actually, and it's like, yeah. well, no. And actually, um, what I'd quite like to do is get doctors in to talk to us. Mm-hmm. Um I know a few people that are specialists in certain areas um, to tell us maybe what maybe why doctors don't diagnose things like endometriosis quicker. Yeah. Uh, in order for people to be able to deal with it quicker. So how many how many how many years did you say you were? Almost eight years. Yeah, and I think that she was about the same as well. Yeah, it's the, on average it takes about seven years. I think they say it is. That's mental. Yeah. Well, let's try and fix that. Well, because they go, yeah. <laughs> Because it's because it's crazy. Yeah. Like, um, well, they go through so much. Like of just oh, you just have bad periods. Like everyone gets a bad period. And right. Okay. It's a lot of like oh, we'll try you on this contraception to fix it, and then you have to wait, and that doesn't work. And this, it's almost like something that's so detrimental is the last resort. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They sort of try and rule but, but out. The, but the symptoms are so clear. Yeah. So it might, yeah, I'd be, I'd be interested in having a medical professional on, and also like grill them. Well, we, we, well, we, we, we can ask why it might be that they wouldn't know. I mean, I guess GPs and stuff are so broadly yeah. trained that you know, uh, a lot of the time they aren't, they aren't necessarily going to know any of this stuff. Yeah. Um, but it seems pretty, and I guess it's funny that. You know, the person that you slept with was knew about it and you know about it and I know about it. Mm-hmm. It must mean that there's a lot of other people that know about it. Yeah. There's probably a lot of people that don't know about it, which is yeah. why, why we're doing the podcast anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, and hopefully they can be, you know, better informed about this kind of stuff in the future. Yeah. Um, but also, I'd be interested to find out... So, obviously... It didn't affect her fertility. Does that mean it is treatable, or does it just go away? It's not treatable. Um, they can put you into like false menopause if they want, and you can get a hysterectomy and things like that. Um, it affects people's fertility sometimes more, some people more than others. Mm. Um, and obviously, she's been lucky enough to have children, etc. But there are alternatively a lot of women that don't get that opportunity. Like for yeah. me, I I was always told like, we think you're infertile. We don't think you're ever gonna have kids. That's something that I have had to come to terms with and accept. Yeah. And that's a conversation that after me and Lucas had sort of been together for a bit, I had to have that conversation with him and say, you know, that might not be on the cards for us and this, yeah, that and yeah. the other. And then we fell pregnant in September. Okay. Um, and we miscarried in October. Right. And it was almost like I had to come to terms with it all over again. Yeah. Because I came so close. Yeah, yeah. And then I've had to come to terms with it again. Well, but it's I, given me a reason almost like a, okay, well, maybe that's why. Because you go through the whole like self-blame thing yeah, when yeah. you lose a child. Which is, which is which, which again, is probably another complete podcast because actually... Yeah. Because... I think it's only one in three actually gets born. 
there's like just it's like sixty six percent of mm. of conceptions yeah. end in miscarriage. One I might I might have one the, in four people it, miscarry. Yeah, that's the only statistic. I oh know. right, so it'd be yeah. So I might have the statistic, um, and we'll get the statistics right for that particular show. Yeah. So keep listening and subscribe and click the bell and the like and all that, whatever. Hey, he's getting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's getting there. <laughs> First one. Uh, in order to be able to get that content later, because actually I think, yeah, it, it's an interesting one in terms of what people's expectations are. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I've seen people have miscarriages and they still celebrate the birthday of the baby that wasn't born uh, yeah. like 20 years later. Yeah. And That's what we want to do. We let like a... A little birthday cake. And oh, okay. Right. We were a bit dark humoured about it then. Put a candle with a zero on the cake. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny at the time. I was like, you got to laugh, you're going to cry, right? That's so am- that's amazing. We were like, we saw that and we were like, yeah, that's fitting. Sure, <laughs> whack that on there. <laughs> and it's just now where for next year we go, right, are we going to get another zero or do we get one? Like, what do we do now? Oh, God. It's both hilarious and dark. Yep. Nice. Yeah, I think that'd be. If someone would suggest that to me, I'd probably try and make it more humorous. Yeah, because you can't because you can't blame yourself for anything like that. Yeah, you do, and like grief is such a. It's not linear like people think it is. It's very up and down. Some moments mm. you've come to the point where you've accepted it and you're fine, and then the next moment you take two steps back and you're back to, you know bargaining and blaming yourself and things like that so it's a bit of a yeah. emotional roller coaster yeah just just for the record and for our listeners uh i'm probably the least emotional person you've ever met i <laughs> but, cry but... like three times a day <laughs> <laughs> well and this is what i think it'd be good because actually i need to i i need to get better at understanding the the emotional side of things because i'm very um Logical, you know. I, I I work in IT. Everything's a one or a zero. It's either either it works or it doesn't work, mm-hmm. and either you can fix it or you can't fix it. Mm-hmm. So I'm very much in that kind of, um, you know, if someone dies, well, they're dead now. So what's the point in talking about it? Yeah, <laughs> we're, 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 yeah. So which which we're very different. Yeah, yeah. Which is good. Yeah, because actually I will never have that emotional investment in a lot of these things. Mm. You know, I, which is strange when talking about sex, the mechanisms of emotion within the context of sexual activity. Yeah. Because I I was chatting to a friend of mine, a female friend of mine the other day, and she was saying, oh, yeah, but it's different for females because it's more spiritual for us. And I was like, you, you're still made of the same atoms. You still, you still secrete the same hormones. Yeah. Like, like f- endo- from an endocrine point of view, yeah. we're very, very similar. Yeah. Uh, you know, limbic system that feeds this and it turns you on and it opens these, you know, your um, uh, capillaries and blood flows into these areas and you both get turned on and then you, and then you. F- and then the way in which you're stimulated is very similar in the in the yeah. neurological responses. Um, so I so I don't think that it's more spiritual for anybody. <laughs> no, I don't, I, in fact, I, don't I think th- it's sometimes more intimate. Maybe for certain people, I wouldn't say maybe women more than men. I think it's based upon circumstance. 
Yes. Because sometimes I'm like, oh, make love to me, Lucas. And other times I'm just like, yes, yeah, stick it in my ass. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, 